welcome to Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. This is the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. And if you're wondering what a mystical business owner is, well, if you are working as a tarot card reader like me or an astrologer, or maybe you're an intuitive, a medium, a Reiki healer, a crystal healer, whatever you're into, if it's along those lines, uh, the spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you and to you. And I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. Hi, everyone. So we've both been self-employed and running our own heart-centered businesses for years. We know what goes into running a successful business. We know how much heart, grit, and hustle it takes to get your business afloat and keep things rocking along. And Bree and I have been doing the show together once a month now for about four years. And yeah, it is four years. And that's right. <laughs> we I know it's so crazy, I can't believe it. And you know, our thing is we love sharing business strategies. We're both super into business and we've both been in business for a long time. And our real goal behind the show is to really help our fellow mystics and mystical service providers. We want you guys to thrive and succeed. And so each episode of Talking Shop, what we're doing is we're tackling different topics and featuring special guests. That is exactly right. And today's topic is a really, really big one, you guys. It is create and publish your own tarot deck. And our guests today, we have three, Jonathan Size, Jason Gruel, and Andy Todaro, who are the creators of the phenomenal and fabulous Fountain Tarot. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and thank you everyone for tuning in to listen. Let's get this show started. Welcome. Welcome, you guys. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, we're so excited to be here. Thank you. Well, we are just absolutely thrilled. You know, we are total fangirls, so first of all, we just have to say um, this is kind of like the show we've been getting crazy about all year long, the one we were looking the most forward to. So a little confession there. And I'm just getting over a cold, so if I'm doing a little coughing, I do apologize here, guys. But anyhow, we're going to ignore that frog in my throat, and we want to get talking about this deck. We want to talk about your deck, first of all, before we even talk about what it's like to create and publish a deck, because we are total fangirls. I mean, really, to anybody who's listening, if you're not familiar with the Fountain Tarot, you need to get familiar with it. Uh, It is the freshest, classiest deck I've ever worked with, and I just want to give you guys a little plug for a second. Um, I'm a deck minimalist. I'm one of these people, I rarely buy a deck. It is rare. And usually if I buy a deck, it ends up sitting in my, it usually ends up sitting in my, you know, my deck closet. I just don't, don't really use it. I always go back to that rider weight. Well, this deck, I don't know what's in this deck, but I swear it <laughs> is magic. And I bought a couple for my friends too, and they've gone mm. equally nuts. There's something about this deck that it just reads incredibly well. And my husband, when I was really starting to get into the deck, even said, he said, there's something about it when you're working with this deck. He said, it's it's really magical. So we think everybody needs to get a copy of the Fountain Tarot because it is just incredible. <laughs> and also the deck is well made. And for me, the quality and everything about it is just like top notch. So I just wanted to really say that to you guys. This is just I think the best new deck that I've seen in years, and I've been reading tarot a long time, so I, I love the deck, and um, 
So on, on that note, let's begin wow. by talking about the story behind the Fountain Tarot and who would like to start off talking about how did this deck come to be? Jonathan's I'm, really good I'm at gonna, telling that story. Yeah, yeah. I'll step in. Uh, <laughs> and it, it is hard with any question with three of us. We all have our own versions. But the thing that's super <laughs> cool about this one is my relationship with Andy, uh, who, who I've, I've been super close friends with for a decade. She introduced me more to sort of the active use of tarot and at one point years ago said, maybe you should consider making one. And I, I said, no, I, that's not who I am. I don't want to do that. And then, and then it wasn't until I met Jason, you know, five years ago and he, his love of tarot sort of seeped into my life and, uh, and he made the same sort of, um, invitation because they both felt like invitations and it was when all three of those or all three of our interests and curiosities braided together that it actually became this reality which none of us really knows quite how it started besides that you know like it was, <laughs> it was I, well i think it's important to mention that that the part not just as a suggestion for you to make the deck but that that was a part of our relationship was every time you would come back from some life-changing trip or like a moment abroad to to do an, another painting series in Greece or wherever and then come back to Denver and be a little ungrounded and be like where do I go from here and that's what we would always do is the tarot reading mm. and I, I was as an Aquarian uh, I always use Aquarian tarot that was my first one because I'm an Aquarian and I had never wanted to really I had never wanted to touch it until I saw the Aquarian um and so I mean that that's I for me, sort of the that beginning point, and then yeah, I love the the part about you and and Jason too. And it was it was actually on a trip to Mexico a year before we moved down there. We were on a quick little vacation, and Jonathan was really like, "I just don't know what my next series should be." And I had brought a tarot deck along, and I said, "Well, let's ask the tarot." And we started throwing cards out on the bed, and Jonathan literally gasped. <laughs> and was like, oh my God, that is my next series. And it was sort of like mm -hmm. a culmination of all the times he had talked to Andy and this moment with us. And it was, it was just like a very clear moment, like, okay, that's what's going to happen next. <laughs> and then the reality set in and we all had to be wrangled <laughs> to make it, <laughs> to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love, I love how you guys really utilized it, you know, practically. And so it came about very organically. It's so awesome. For sure. So can you, since you did mention the beginning, can you tell our audience what is the best way to begin a, a process like this, other than drinking? It didn't get started with drinking. It just continued with drinking. Yeah. That's it right. That was, that was where you found the endurance. So, like, what kind of plan do you need in order to successfully create a deck? You know, okay, we're going to do this. We're inspired. We're on fire. And then we... I think there's I, two parts of that. Oh, do, do you want to go, Andy? You can go. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that part of the the energy of cre doing anything creative is that you can't have a whole plan. You can't really see the end. And so if you do have that inspiration, you do have that spark, pardon me, 
then you should just go for it. And then, and, and not to say that we didn't have a lot of um, obstacles to get to the end, but we dealt with them as they arrived. And I think if you think about the entire process, like maybe after hearing this entire teleseminar, you'll be like, I don't know if I really want to go through all that, but um, (laughs) that's not how things get done. That's not how creative projects get started. That's not how people birth something like that is beside themselves, you know? Um, So yeah. Well, I I was going to say too, that it was, uh, at the very beginning, it was so important that we all individually identified what we loved and what we didn't love. And so we had this kind of vague roadmap of where we wanted to go. And I know Andy mentioned her uh, Aquarian or Aquarius deck. Uh, Aquarian. And Jason was working with uh, Robin, Robin Wood. Wood. Right? Um, and I was working from just like uh, internet obsession with Tumblr and everything else in the world. Um, and, and when we, when we realized what we loved about certain decks, it gave us, uh, it just gave us a lot of things to avoid, which, uh, it's a weird place to start, but for me, it was kind of the most important place to start because we knew we didn't want it. We knew we wanted to make something that captured something bigger than we could even identify when we started. Mm-hmm. I love, I love what Jonathan's saying about it's as much of knowing what you aren't going to do as much as what you are going to do. And it ended up being sort of a combination of we we knew that we wanted it to feel like the the rider weight. Uh, we want we didn't want to mess with tradition, and at the same time, we wanted it to be something that the world right now could relate to in a really personal and authentic and beautiful way. And right. so th- that was a huge inspiration. Like I feel like everything we did sort of ran through that filter. So there was a, a ton of research sort of around. What are decks we've loved and even maybe haven't loved from the beginning, you know, from the early Italian decks all the way up through history? And then looking at sort of what, what is sort of the essence of what people love about this tradition? And we wanted to really like make sure that vibe was present. And then there was also a, a huge piece for Jonathan where, where I, I did a lot of that research piece, but then left it at this is sort of everything boiled down. And so some of these things are unmessable with, but from there, uh, Jonathan actually had an amazing idea. It's like, I want a vibe for every card. And so that was something I hadn't really heard of being done before. But like, he was like, if no one knows anything about tarot and they look at this card for the first time, I want the essence of what tarot is to be evident in that. And so we actually like sort of graded the cards with a hundred percent being complete joy and 0% being complete doom, uh, and trying to, like, if you looked at the card, what vibe would you feel from that? And then he just sort of, like, took it and ran from a contemporary viewpoint. Wait, and I, w- I want to jump backwards real quick, too, is identifying the realities of actually putting it together and forming a team. And for us, this yeah. thing does not exist without a team that can uh, – I, I couldn't have done the paintings sure. without the writings – we couldn't have done any of it without Andy's ability to like, like a magician turn ideas into something physical. Um, and they <laughs> couldn't sure. have done what they did without, without my images. Or, I mean, we can all make images and we can all write, we can all put files together for a printer, but it was, it was important to to respect the idea that we, we couldn't individually bring to it what, what we could bring to it as a unified, like multifaceted team. 
So find right. a team. Mm. So <clears throat> um, one of the things I'd like to talk about, too, is the whole art about this. So, Jonathan, could you tell us your process behind the creation of each card? Sure. Um, and it, the, the the thing to remember, too, and it's not just because we all have our, like, egos in the game, but it's it's so true that every part of it was all three of our involvements. So, yes, I, I, I went into the studio and painted them. And Jason and I moved down to Mexico in this tiny beach uh, apartment, which was super cheap, and we had no friends and no money and no car, so no distractions. And it was just um, – I would I would talk with Andy. Andy and I would talk about vibe and energy. And then Jason and I would talk. And then Jason would go – he wrote it first. So then when he gave me um, some written words to go off of, then I would sort of disappear. And I worked on all of the images at the same time, which was super important for me as well, where it wasn't just that the majors were wonderful pieces of art and then the minors were kind of afterthoughts. Um, we did it all randomly. Like maybe one day I'd start on the devil and the next day I would work on the three of coins and the next day. So just there was this beautiful unified cohesion and they were all partially started at a point and I could start to get an idea of how they were speaking to each other in their respective suits, but also as a whole. And meanwhile, I was just constantly checking back with Andy and Jason um, about what, am I really capturing what I think I'm capturing? And I remember <laughs> one time where I showed Andy I sent her an image and she was like, I don't know what you're working on, but this is not the deck that I signed on for. So you need to redo that card. And it was, it was an important, it was a super important moment where my, my ego didn't get so wrapped up in my vision that I forgot, forgot sight or forgot the fact that it was uh, just a like a, a blend. Yeah. Or that eventually so I, I that would be the, you know, need to be the types of images altogether that would speak one voice and that anybody that picked it up wouldn't have, you know, just the Jonathan size perspective on, <clears throat> on the tarot, right? Like, I think that is also why it's so beneficial for all three of us to have worked on it is because it, it wasn't so much, it, that ego did get put, put down enough that then it got to be more universal of a perspective. And I think that that was, that's actually one of the things that I love most about the deck is that um, tarot is so much for me about what is, what is life saying to us? Like what is, if we're getting quiet enough and our, if we're willing to sort of like release our ego and release these things, what are we willing or what are we able to hear sort of from the universe and from the deck and from life so that we can sort of be and flow with everything. And this, this collaboration was a perfect example of that, of over and over again being like, I had the same experience of while I was writing being like, this is the best description I could possibly write. And then having them both read it and be like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, we're, like, we're going to kick out that one word. And like, yeah, and and having to be like, okay, I, I'm in a collaboration and I absolutely believe you. And if you don't get it, other people aren't going to get it. And our whole goal is that it's gotten and that people get to really feel this on a deep level. And so it was constantly sort of releasing your own agenda around it and really letting it be this collaboration. Can, 
and can and I want to say a practical a practical answer answer too because 78 or in our case 79 paintings or illustrations or drawings or whatever medium you're using are so it's such a big number that it's important to set yourself up um, in a physical way for um, success by doing a lot of preparation. So for me, getting all seven, yeah, organizing, getting all 79 oil panel or uh, wood panels primed, getting, getting all of Mm. my, um, my tools in the same space and, and allowing, allowing myself to get to that point where the, um, God, what's a good way to describe it? The immense pressure of that many compositions and creations that that I wouldn't allow myself to get overwhelmed because I I set up systems where I didn't get to painting number 42 and realize that I was spent. You know, so you have to, like, pace yourself when you're starting. Um, And I think all three of us experience that. Um, in different in different forms, but if you don't set those systems up at front, you're going to get overwhelmed, and you're. I think a lot of people end up giving up at a certain point because it is such a big scope. Yeah, I think stru- structure is the thing that lets you be really creative. At the same time, it's just like sort of letting it go. Like having some form of structure lets you sort of have enough information to then think of something new. There was a I had a matrix for every single card, and so there would be like you know three of coins. And then I would have tons of different examples throughout history, tons of different meanings spread across that matrix, and then what the fountain tarot version of that would be. And then I would start to get to writing on that particular card. But there was like, there's like an intense matrix that like let me synthesize information so that I could just let go and then do what we needed to do. Mm. Hmm. I think that's so helpful. I really, I like, I like the taking things off the table and then the setting up of structures like as as best you can before you even get started. Mm-hmm. Like priming, mm-hmm. right? Just priming boards. Mm-hmm. Like that's so basic, but that's yeah. the last thing you want to do when you're when you're in the moment and you're wanting <laughs> to get paint on it. It's like I have to prime the damn board. I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> Right. So, so awesome. So, you know, something that I'm sure you guys have heard a lot is that the Fountain Tarot, it stands out among the sea of, of tarot decks because it has such a contemporary and modern design and it is super functional. I love what you guys said about the collaboration and, you know, the quieting of ego. I mean, that I think is is one of the reasons why the deck reads so well, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you imbued the deck with that as you created it. It really sounds like that was the alchemy that was happening. Yeah. So, so you know, Andy, we're interested now in your point of view, but but both of you, like all of you chime in. What can you tell us about what makes a good design and what things an artist or a designer should keep in mind when they are putting a deck together? And these can be things to do or things to not do. (laughs) uh, Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I think first, first, I mean, I wanted, as a designer, which I think is a form of art, um, that the the external presence or the product um, as it sits on a shelf and it needs to vibe in the same way that it would feel when you actually have it all the way open and you're doing a reading um, in order to invite people to even participate, you know, um, and that's the job of a designer. So uh, I had the special job of actually having to, the the logo, I think is the important part of this 
um, we there was an early part of this when they're in uh, Mexico and Jonathan was like, we need to see a logo. We got to, we got to do this right now. And I said, I don't, haven't seen enough images to know really what are the voices yet. You know, and I don't want to step on your toes and I don't want to create a logo that after you're done with this many paintings, isn't going to jive. So it has to happen at the same time. And that box wasn't even created until after all of the paintings were done. Um, but the, my biggest challenge was how am I going to cradle these beautiful pieces of art, basically like a mini portfolio, mm-hmm. uh, oil paintings. Um, so even if somebody who wasn't into tarot at all just would want to have it just so that they could have that many little tiny oil paintings. Um, and then, and then Jason's writing also. So laying out the whole book and having those speak to each other in a way that was quiet enough to let the imagery speak. And uh, when you were in the middle of a reading, that it was important that it would be easy to read the book. So those are all of the things that I'm thinking about. Um, And then on the quality side, uh, not most of the decks, but I think a lot of the decks, you know, just because they're from large publishers, there's just a, a form fill design. This is how the bleeds look. This is how the edges look. This is how the back looks. This is how the box looks. This is how the booklet looks. Usually not a full booklet, usually just a pamphlet. Um, all, all of which are opportunities for differentiating your, your piece, you know? And that all contributes to the vibe of your deck. Um, how the entire experience from beginning to end of how you'd open that how you would use it, if you would store your cards in it. You know, we've we've heard plenty of times that people, you know, will uh, chuck their borders off or get rid of the box mm-hmm. entirely and keep it in a bag. And, I mean, that would break my heart as a designer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to have, you know, <laughs> to get a borderectomy or see that somebody's keeping it in a bag. But I know everybody has their own practice, but in my mind, that was like, well, it should just come the way that it's intended to be, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, except I let's sorry. Go ahead. I've seen a I've seen a um a trimmed version or two on Instagram of the Fountain Tarot, and I have to admit, it does look good. I love it. Looks amazing. It actually looks so I think yeah. people people can <laughs> customize it based on sure. You know, that doesn't break. My I'm, not so much, but... <laughs> I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not putting any. I'm not putting anybody down. But it's my it's my goal, right? Is that the form that it comes in is the way that people would desire it to come in? You know. And one thing about Andy that I can say, too, I wish everyone on the planet could meet Andy because it is – there's this <laughs> level of authenticity where she – her uh, – I don't know if we could swear on here, but her, like, bullcrap meter is, like, zero. And, like, <laughs> if it isn't, like, for real, it just doesn't jive with her. And so, like, having someone like that on your team where – Here's this person that is really trying to get in the skins of the people who are going to be using this and being like, if I opened this for the first time, how would I feel about this? If I, if I pulled this out, would I want this wrapped or this not wrapped? Would I, what would make this easier to get to quickly? What would make me drop my jaw and be like, this just made my day? I mean, she really, she really just tried to get into the experience of someone being with the deck and from not only the piece of like of tarot as a tradition, but just the experience of a physical object. And I think that's where the level of quality of just like 
the cardstock and the shuffleability and the just like the day-to-day living of a thing like that it's one of her gifts and it was it paid mm-hmm. off in this deck tenfold well i can tell you that she definitely got in my head because andy this <laughs> the box first of all it gets me all kinds of like um <laughs> what would be a good word Ecstatic. Yeah, and the box again. The Brie is right when she uses the word functional. This box is so incredibly functional. I love the the magnetic closure. I'm stamping it right here. I don't know if anyone can hear it. I even like just stamping it just for my own little jollies. It keeps my deck (laughs) so pristine. I mean, this is just incredibly well designed, and and so. You know, you definitely got in my head, and I love the little white book here. It's also incredibly well done. It's beautiful in design. And I want to move right on now, speaking of the little white book, to the writing part. I want to read one of the descriptions here because I think the writing, this is the way, in my opinion, if you're going to do a little white book, this is the way it it should be done. So I have the Three of Swords here, and it says, A Shattered Heart. In its cold and stormy environment, the Three of Swords indicates that you are taking your first tentative steps into a particular area of life, and your heart is about to be abruptly broken. A piercing truth or occurrence is imminent, and your life will not be the same once it's happened. It will hurt, but in retrospect, you saw it coming. And if you're really being honest, it's accompanied by a sense of relief. Though it's little consolation in the moment, it's times like these that bring us our most profound growth. I mean, this is like also top mm. I just got writing. goosebumps. I know. I mean, come on. You just read it back to us. It's like reading poetry, you guys. And so I'd love, I'd love to talk, Jason. Now, you, you wrote the text for the Fountain Tarot. What should, I mean, obviously you have a way with words, but, you know, some of us sometimes stumble with our words, but... You know, what should sure. the creators consider when they write their little white books? What is your advice about writing it well? I think, you know, in each of the different me- – like, there's a tendency to to want to try and please everybody and to mm-hmm. or to write something so, so grand that it's going to kind of, like, drop everyone's jaw type of thing. And I absolutely had those moments where I was like, this has to be, this has to be better. And there, I mean, this is like, this is tarot. You know, this is like, this isn't some like crazy little thing. This has a tradition and people expect different things. But ultimately, we were trying to touch people's lives. Like mm-hmm. we wanted, and so it came down to the, to having a personal conversation with a friend or a personal conversation with someone that you really connect with and you're like, wow, I really get where this person is. And there may be something hard to say right now to that person, or there may be something that they aren't ready to hear, or there may be something really joyful or something that's around the corner that because of their, the place that they're at, that they just can't see. And I try in the writing, I try to really just be with one person and, and say, and be like, A, what's the essence of this card? Like, what when this card comes up, what's the message? But then to really take it to a level of, if I were trying to make a difference in someone's life, what would I be trying to say? And then I and then I tried to be a little poetic in places. And sometimes they worked, and sometimes it didn't work. But <laughs> he, he had he had um, some good editors too. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, at the very very (laughs) beginning of the whole process, I I remember reading a few things when I went down to Mexico. It was like when we had finally gotten all in the same place, enough through the project to give each other the right amount of, like, forward feedback. And and I was like, it's feeling too mechanical, Jason. Like, I'd, I want you to speak to me, like, as a friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that there has yeah. to be a way more intimacy in this. And I think it's actually because of coming from that matrix. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to switch from that, the left brain, right brain, even though they say that's not really a thing anymore. But <clears throat> uh, from a, a, a mechanical and logical point of view to like that dream state and then jason came back with the revisions and it was like bam you know mm-hmm. there we go right and you tapped and in I'm, and i'm married to jason and i picked him and he picked me for a variety of reasons but one of the things that makes him such a an amazing human and voice is his huge sensitivity for the human experience and his work yeah. with uh, Buddhist concepts and uh, sort of self-help coaching concepts and compassion and 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 not to mention he's a beautiful writer. But what what was really cool to see him put into this collaboration is his his warmth that um, comes from a genuine place. And I think the the book the booklet captures an actual slice of sincere sincere caring, and that's mm-hmm. Jason to to a T. Yeah, it's kind of, and I think that there's that whole concept of until we all get there together, none of us get there. And that mm-hmm. was sort of a motivating piece too, to just be like, hey, the, so some of the cards probably could have been more like, hey, you're totally screwed. Like, you know, on the, <laughs> this is what this card means. And yet all of them, I think, are like, hey, there are moments where life feels screwed and here's sort of one path out or here's a different view of that and so all of them have that kind of feeling because I feel like that's the opportunity of tarot is to really have people not not hide or fool themselves around situations that they might be in but to really get it on a real sense and to get that life keeps moving um and that's so that was in it and then and then again back to that part of continually being open to loving something and letting it go because it's not hitting in the way, like to Andy's point, it's not hitting in the way you really want it to, even when you think it is. So I would, again, a practical point in writing, have people you trust and love read it and then don't have them read it just to say that you, that you had people read it, read it, have them read it so that they can tell you that what is really great and hits, hits home and what really sucks and does not do what you think it's doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And then even after that, Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Even, even after that, I took the whole book because our our publisher was like, you know, everything gets printed uh, has a typo in it, and I said, so I didn't even tell Jason, and I sent it to a friend of ours who is really into tarot and also an incredible writer, and had him edit the entire thing, and then just sent the edits to Jason. And I said, you can either take them or leave them, but this is what he found in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his name. We is, can say. His name is- Ben. Oh, his name is Ben Jaffe, and he and he's I, amazing I thank him because there are about ten thousand commas that lost their life because of him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love, I love the comma oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean. There's a just follow your gut too on that part, you know, like if you feel like maybe even though you you might need extra help outside of your immediate group, you know, too. Um, 
but we were happy to say there's not a single typo in the entire Yay. book <laughs> that we found. <laughs> but I don't, that's amazing yeah, yeah. on a first that career run huge. or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really big. You know, my daughter um, is an editor, and she went and edited my thing uh, for my book because I have an upcoming book, too. And, and she said, Mom, you have a comma problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean about those commas. <laughs> so, you know, very much like Talking Shop and like many people who want to do decks, you know, you have one person who has the, you know, wants to do the writing and another person wants to do the art. Um, or some, maybe somebody else wants to design. You have uh, we're seeing more and more like group collaborations. You guys clearly mm-hmm. love one another, and you get along so beautifully. Well, and you share not always with each other. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a good job of pretending right now. I don't, I don't know. Yes, <laughs> tell us, tell us, you know how, like how have you collaborated through how how long? Let me let me start by asking, how long has the collaboration on this? been happening right because it's still happening i'm sure and and how have you guys collaborated without making each other crazy or what did you do when you did make each other crazy how did you i'm gonna i'm gonna start yeah (laughs) Yeah, okay so and and i think i have the um distinct uh, pleasure of being the fulcrum in the relationships because i introduced andy to jason and i have individual relationships and now they have an incredible relationship with each other but i was always sort of um the volleyball uh in some i think jason is now too yeah jason is much softer (laughs) volleyball but uh what what we like to joke about is you know taking on a collaborative project is either going to solidify your friendships into something forged by the fires of real intensity that will last forever or it's going to ruin them and especially when it's something that you're both that you're all so passionate about we we had moments where my um i'm kind of an obsessive excitable puppy dog personality (laughs) and when i when i get fixated on something it's (laughs) got to happen has to happen right now and in the way that i want it and everyone has to be on the same level of enthusiasm and what what we what a lot of our conflict came from was trusting that the other parts of the team really had your back even if they had it in their own unique way and kind of learning how to step back and there were a few times to be honest where it was like wow this is not worth it like this vision right. is big and exciting but we're not going to be able to pull it pull it off and yet uh, 2 years later because uh it really well 3 years later it got started in the yeah the fall of 2013 mm-hmm. um we're we're stronger than ever and i think the 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 entity of the creation becomes its own separate part mm-hmm. of the relationship where you can all yeah. find solace when things get a little mm. nasty yeah that's beautifully said yeah i think it has a lot to do with fear you know like the thing that we are putting all of our blood sweat and tears into for so long without seeing any money for it and not mm-hmm. knowing if, you know, once we actually launch it, like, not only would we maybe not make any money, but more so, like, would people not even like it, you know? Like, everybody has that that insecurity about the creative thing that they're making. And so you take it out on each other, you know, at, at the, part, the, the, time, the times when you're feeling the most vulnerable, you know, it's like it's the other person's fault that you're feeling this way. Um, 
And so, yeah, when it, I would say that that our um, sort of lowest low but highest high at the same time was the the week in Mexico when we put together the Kickstarter video, laid out like all of the design for the for the card fronts and backs, and we're I mean rough. I was on my computer for like 16 hours a day for seven days at 104 degrees outside mm. eating like pepperoni. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, and it was like, and Jonathan, I kept telling Jonathan to kept to do the same uh, camera shot on the video of the panning of the cards, and he was like, I don't know how you want it, <laughs> like just do it if you know how you want it, you know. And I was like, No, we're gonna get through this, and then it's like, you know, this perfect, peaceful, serene Kickstarter video. Um, so we like we would have put, you know put all of each other through the through the ringer you know, um, but then but you know like after I mean gosh I now at this point and I'm I've actually described in other interviews I said Jonathan's the dreamer I'm the skeptic and I don't even remember what I said that you were Jason but ba- like basically the the voice of reason right like so <laughs> all yeah. three of us have this like unique voice which is they're all gonna always gonna have a different point of view. And I say, Jonathan, you definitely have the point, which is uh, the the longer that you do this, the more that you understand what people's ticks are and how best to, to manage them and how to come to a consensus. And now at this point, I can imagine not having done this project. It's changed my life so profoundly, our relationship so profoundly. Like, it's amazing that we've made this. It's just, It's like I said, beside us now. Like it's yeah. even though we made it, even when you know you Teresa like like a god, like read our little book, you know, <laughs> and go like, oh my gosh, it is that beautiful. We don't, yeah. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember laying yeah. out. <laughs> it's kind. It's it's kind of like a marriage too, where because it is. I think we have. Uh, you're trying to value each of the individual people. Like this was Jonathan, the only way Jonathan and I could get married was if we structured it this way. I am me and I have a life I want to live. You are you and you have a life you want to live. And we're creating this third thing called a marriage that we both are totally committed to creating and having be amazing too. And I think each, you know, all three of us have been like, we really value what it is about the other person. And even sometimes it's maddening, but most of the times it is, I love that about Andy. I love this about Jonathan. We love this about us. But there's a fourth thing that was created, and all three of us are married to that thing and are are constantly putting into this beautiful thing that sort of is is a completely separate thing from the three of us now, even though we're integrated into it. So Yeah. I love that. I really do. So We always said it was like having a baby. It is like having yeah, a baby. I was just, I was just you, thinking, like, it really sounds like y'all are describing having a baby together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Bree and I both have children, and we, we know that, you know, when you have your baby and you bring it out there to the world, you're just hoping that everybody thinks your baby is as beautiful as you think it is. Yeah. yeah. And then you're going to have disputes about how to raise it exactly. Oh, yes. And then And then your baby, <laughs> like you're saying, your baby has their own opinions about that. They're yeah. like, let me tell you what right. I think about breastfeeding, Mom. Sit back. Right. <laughs> yeah, and when you know your, your baby's an adult, then they have to remind you about all the crap you did to get that far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That that was that's a really great point though, because I feel like at some point the fountain we were all like, Okay, what's the fountain? What's the fountain? What's the fountain? 
and we we still do that sometimes but at some point the fountain was enough of itself to sort of mm-hmm. tell us that this mm. is what i am and we were like is that fountain so now the decisions are more kind of for me anyway it's like that's the question like is that fountain or like listening a little bit more to the thing yeah, well, like how, can you, how can you best support it or parent it from this yeah. point, like given yeah. what it is and what it needs? Yeah, there's like a yeah. really ephemeral quality, like it is an entity of, of in and of itself, but really it's the pe- all of the people around the world that are using it and like and sharing that they've used it. And it's this nebulous cloud that like has its own energy. Like if nobody was using it, it's sort of like when a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear it, you know? We could have printed 5,000 decks and put them in a storage unit and said goodbye, you know? Um, But uh, it's it's come alive because of the people that use it. And I I profoundly feel that network. And we get notes all the time. And, I mean, it's that's what makes it come alive is the people that use it. I mean, they're just as much a part of the thing than it is itself, you know? I I would say, too, um, to Andy's point right there, we are – we're committed to, I have to be careful saying this statement, but we're, we're committed to having this deck be out in the world and having people use it. So we are, on one, I think we're really good business people, but on another, some might say that we're really bad business people too, because if someone's not happy, uh, if there's anything about it that feels off to them or, or whatever it happens to be, we instantly mail them another deck. Um, someone, people have said like, my friend loves this and can't afford it. We send two decks to that person and say, give this to your friend. We carry decks around with us in our glove boxes. And if we see someone in a restaurant that we just think has a beautiful vibe, we walk over awkwardly and say, we made this deck and we want you to have it and we love you. Like, there's like, <laughs> it literally is more about having it out in the world um, than it is about, so I think that's another piece of it is you can certainly don't go into making a tarot deck to like retire. But if but it's but you can also like it's fun for us as a business, but it's more fun for us to just see it out there in the world and to have people's faces light up or to or to have someone be able to get it that didn't think mm-hmm. they could get it or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's beautiful. I love that. But you know, when we start talking about like business and money and all that stuff, um, I think one of the things that people really get concerned about when they want to create a deck, let's say, you know, they want to do it on their own. Um, you know, let's talk about raising money for a moment to create the deck. You know, what yeah. are your thoughts about things like crowdfunding? What's your advice about raising money for to create your own deck? Uh, well, I certainly. Throw... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead. That's a stressful. That's a stressful topic. No, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think we wouldn't have been able to do it without crowdfunding, and um, I mean, I think maybe a hundred times during this entire process, I was just astounded that, you know, it's 2013, 14, 15, and we can individually, as individuals, without like a, like a, we of course have a company now, but we didn't have a company. Without a company, we can figure out how to raise the money without having, you know, private venture capitalists, um, and then design it because we have those tools, which is amazing, to publish it and then to source the people that would print it for us, that wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. Like, we would have had to been a publishing entity, you know? And I think that's why you're seeing more and more self-published anything, not just tarot decks, but 
um, just people publishing the things that they're creating is because they have the tools to do it. So I think it's, right. I mean, that's astounding to me and amazing. And we would not have been able to do it without crowdfunding or these other services where people are willing to work with you as, as an individual, you know, that wasn't the right. case. And it, it, it is like, to be clear, it is an expensive endeavor to create something that you really love, that you're proud of, that the quality is top notch, that mm-hmm. where you're, and then on top of it, just the running of the business and all those things, it, it, right. it took way, it took more money than we thought it would. And it was the hardest month of our sort of hustler lives for the, the Kickstarter campaign because <laughs> yeah. we were, we, I mean, and Jason to, to his credit, um, he writes a mean email, a good one in a good way. And the way that he connected with, with tarot meetup groups around the world and reached out to people and really like brought the community into a singular vision that right. led to the success of our, I mean, we raised clo- uh, just around $30,000 and we used every penny of it to print mm-hmm. the, the first, the first thing, um, the first print run. And so I don't know, it's a, it's a huge undertaking, but it, once you get, gather your tribe around you, it's, it's, it doesn't get easier, but it certainly happens if you try. Yeah. It's, enough, it's about, yeah, it's about having a really solid network. Um, yeah. Accessing all of the, every person that you've ever spoken to and saying, Hey, guess what? <laughs> this is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And, um, and also, yeah, I agree that Jason's outreach ahead of time to people that we didn't know and forming personal relationships with them ahead of time made a big difference. Um, I mean, that's probably the hardest part besides besides actually creating the deck is just to get people to know about it. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's a really the difficult process. Crowd, crowdfunding is... Uh, it's the thing not to underestimate. Like, it's it sounds easy, but there is, like, you have to approach the crowdfunding campaign the same way you would approach your deck. Like it, it, it's the first voice of this beautiful thing you're trying to birth. And so every, every piece of that has to have integrity and every piece of that has to have sort of a level of authenticity and that you're really beginning to speak about this thing in a way that gets people excited and gets them to trust you. And, and if you do it well, um, all of us sort of new people, but we read the internet is, I mean, what a beautiful time to be alive. It's so easy to go, you type in Australia, Tarot, Sydney, and I can find the top five most popular things going on in Sydney right now around Tarot, and usually their contact information. And if you take the time and you go and you call those people, or you email those people, you have a couple images and you say, hey, in a couple of weeks, we're about to launch this thing. And if there's any level of support you could give for that, we would really love it. We can't, you know, we can't wait for you to see this deck. Um, we literally just took tons of time to make little connections all over the world and it was still like the last minute deal where you're like are we going to make this and then finally it kind of like pushed the past couple days but um it's i think it's from the very beginning you're trying to really make an authentic connection with people even in that crowd crowdfunding because it's the message of the whole project and i think it's maybe slightly different if you're not doing a, a tarot deck um but there's a, a lot of psychology involved in, in the whole process, you know, mm-hmm. when you actually launch it, if you make it 30 days or 15, if you do it on uh go, not GoFundMe, what's the other one besides Kickstarter? I can't go remember. Indiegogo. Huh? Indiegogo. Yeah, Indiegogo, Indiegogo yeah. yeah, or Kickstarter. And so we, we had a lot of conversation around that. Like, there's not, 
there's more pressure with Indiegogo for somebody to actually contribute because if even if you don't make your goal, then that person still contributes regardless. Mm-hmm. In a Kickstarter, you have you have to make your goal in order to get your money. Otherwise, everybody gets their money back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we decided to go with Kickstarter because that was our, you know, like there's no point in keep doing this or whatever if not this many people are interested in it at the at the onset, you know. We you yeah, have we to, have all or nothing personalities too. I right. love that about you guys. Right. I'm an all or nothing yeah. person too, so yeah. I get that. <laughs> but you know that yeah. I think that in in a certain way incentivizes people because they see that there's that many other people who also are into it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not putting down the people that are that that you know contributed our campaign, but it, it there is a, a lot of the psychology aspect of it. You know, at this point, that is it is about making good sound business decisions. If you're not going to get somebody to privately fund the printing of your deck or do it yourself, then if you're going to do it to crowdfunding, you got to play that game, you know. And that game is who who are you going to get to contribute? How are you going to get them to contribute? You're going to access your personal networks. You're going to do everything you can to to let people know that it's happening. Um, and if it doesn't, then you know that it's probably not a good route to go, or at least in my mind. Right. You know? And you you better believe in it 110 percent. Or the people who you're asking to believe in you, a complete stranger, well, aren't going to buy it. Yeah, they'll period. feel that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, kind of along these same lines, a big question that comes up for people is should they self-publish or should they seek out a publisher? Do you guys have thoughts about that? Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think, well, I think <laughs> we're all three of us are people that have very strong opinions about visuals and writing and different things like that. So for us, it was really important that at least the original um, version uh, was really we something that was everything we wanted it to be, and we were willing to sort of figure out how to make that happen. So I think, and and I'm gonna oh, let me say something too that's a little bit more. Maybe oh, go ahead. No, no, sorry. because no, no, well, yeah. aside from aside from our own personal, I you know like ideas of what should be. There's also something really exciting happening right now, which is the role of a, an agent or a publisher or a brick and mortar art gallery or all of those things where in the past you had to you had to utilize somebody else's network in order to have mm-hmm. a chance. We mm-hmm. we get to own more of our contemporary experience because of social media, because of the Internet. And I think when people give away a certain amount of their own personal power, because that's the way it's done, that's the way business is run, they really give away a part of their uh, – their, their, they really do give away part of their power. And they give away the uh, ability to – to manifest what feels real based on a money system that maybe isn't as true anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and well, I also think, I think like the, I said with the design before, that those are there's a certain mold that you fit into with a publisher, you know? So mm-hmm. if you just want to do the art and you want somebody else to do the writing or the design, then that's definitely a feasible route to go. But since we, for the most, not most, I would say a large part of the major publishers, like they just have a, such a uh, set uh, design 
we're like, well, we can't really go that route because we have a design in mind. We have, we know what we want it to be that it hasn't been yet, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, go ahead. I would say it depends on the intention of the creator. Some people mm-hmm. just want to see, people have asked us before, you know, you know, what do you think about all these people creating new decks? And uh, my take on it is, my gosh, if you want to create something, create it. Like, there's no problem for that. And, like, if people love it, people will love it. But it, it, if your intention is to just have something out there and you don't care about particular aspects of it and you literally just want to say, I got published, or you want to, you know, who knows what, like, put a down payment on a house and hope that this tarot deck is going to do that for you. A publishing house might be perfectly, you know, great for that kind of thing. But if you're, if your voice, you really want a particular voice heard and you really want like a, a very specific expression of something put out there and you mm-hmm. feel like a publishing house can't necessarily do that for you. I think some publishing houses are getting really great at, at yeah, they're getting things and looking at more specific, beautiful things. But there is a certain level of specificity that you can do through a self-published deck that if that's what your intention is as an artist, that's, that's probably the way you would go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I think we can I just I want to um this is my own personal point. Uh I might have a little <laughs> bit more of a revolutionary thinking about it that now is the time to really embrace the idea that the old models of things in a lot of ways. I'm not just talking about publishing, but the the old models where um you're not in control that those aren't relevant anymore. So for me, I think that the more people because it's a fear-based thing. You're afraid that you're not going to reach enough people. You're afraid you're not going to um, get the credibility from that a publishing house would give you. But those are all tactics that people who historically have made money from other people's creation. Those are mm-hmm. the fear tactics they use to give to get you to sign over 50% of what you create. So for me, it's kind of mm-hmm. a call to arms of, for people to just take back the ability now that we have more of tools that are um, at our fingertips to really create for themselves. Yeah. Right here, here. You know, um, and that, that brings us uh, another <laughs> quick question. We're gonna, we might go a little bit over, guys, so I have to apologize. I'm just warning everyone who's listening in. But this is such a great conversation. And, um, you know, you're talking about, you know, publishing it yourself. You know, also the whole world of marketing, as we all know, has changed dramatically especially yeah. since the time when I started back in the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with social media, you know, it's been a great tool to market my business. What has been the most effective way for you guys to market the Fountain Tarot? Because, you know, decks have to be marketed. Instagram. is like yeah. Instagram. Jonathan, Jonathan has single-handedly, like, like made every beautiful marketing image that we have by just making <laughs> – art every day with the tarot because and i'm like and i'm i'm astounded by that too just like (laughs) obsessed yeah it's like his you know when people say i'm gonna do my 365 days like a drawing a day he's our our instagram a day guy and uh and it's beautiful to see how he reinterprets it every single day i think it keeps it uh, us interested in it too you know and to see other people post on instagram and then to see that conversation between different Instagrammers and the reposting, and we do a giveaway every month, um, and we've done some artist well, collaborations. Go ahead. Yeah, I think the the spirit of collaboration has uh, permeated every part of our 
business plan. So uh, marketing ideas, it's, it's, you, you really have to tap into other, other people's platforms by inspiring them and in some cases directly um, collaborating with them. Right. Uh, so, yeah, so Twitter, all those things. But the thing that Jason and Andy did well is they helped me find somewhere to uh, channel all that puppy dog enthusiasm <laughs> because cause now – now I don't go to them with like 27 new ideas. I I just go take it out on uh on Instagram and they <laughs> they give me a they give me like a, a fountain tarot allowance and say all right go to town and and make yeah. you know make art. Uh, so you have to be passionate about your marketing the same way that you're passionate about the creation of the thing. You have to you have right. to be excited yourself or people are going to get bored if you're right. Bored. Yeah, they'll sound. And I think the thing Jonathan does so well is the tarot. It isn't it isn't just for sort of a table with a moon tablecloth on it and like just for this particular moment uh it's like we want it to feel like it's everyday life we want it to be like tarot expresses every potential sort of experience and emotion and view that could sort of be coming across your path and so i love that his instagram is some of them are that most of them are just these gorgeous artful things but a lot of them are just funny you know snippets in the park or mm-hmm. a time where you're at dinner or you're sitting mm-hmm. at a coffee shop or you're having mm-hmm. a moment where you just love what you're doing you found some and, fluffy and pillows yeah 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 exactly. <laughs> big fluffy pillows which i'm sitting on right now Ooh, a lady yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just incorporating it into all aspects of life right. and having being able to have people really see see themselves in that or really like loving the photos just to go back to the adventure just to have second which was that that was one of the reasons that i made the box so hearty was like i want this to be able to shove this (laughs) in my backpacking backpack and have it out in the rain and it'll still not get damaged like i want it yeah I want it to just be around all the time in a way that I'm not worried about the box falling apart or the cards getting crumpled or whatever. Like it has to be hearty, but still feel divine, you know, that, that, it that can was really what sold me on it. I was like, I could go for, I can go hiking with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if, if my dog gets a hold of it, it'll hold up. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, one of the people, one of the people in our audience too, Andrew, and I hope I pronounce his name right. Andrew, the, DiCenzo, he's from Bacchanal Promotions, he wanted to know how difficult it was to create that custom box. Um, well, you get the right, you get the right publishers um, that are willing to help you build a custom box and give them all of your dimensions, and then they will build the box for you. Uh, one of the things that we went through was uh, the difference between a long magnet and two spot magnets and two spot mm-hmm. magnets doesn't give you that satisfactory snap no and i was I like got no 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 right no. Here. no no spot <laughs> magnets strip magnet you know so like you go through well, every bit of that process with a publisher or not a publisher but like a printer, printer. you know uh yeah printer get somebody who you trust to uh, realize your idea by giving them all of those specs and then they'll give you all the the dies for them and then you're going to design into the dies using usually you know adobe suite mm-hmm. uh i used photoshop and uh illustrator photo the box actually over top of the 
um, foil is uh, the fountain card, like in gray scale. I don't know if anybody's ever noticed that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, it, it, that that you know. Um, and then the, well, the, the like, fountain card. Yeah, and the yeah. backs of the cards are all uh, is a geometric design. They're all like little cutouts of many of the paintings of the in the in the deck a lot of the lovers a lot in the swords mm-hmm. the um but so the the whole thing is made of itself in a way um but but it, you it, get you get all non- the files go ahead well i was just going to say cuz as a non-designer the yeah. amount of work that went into the actual uh Creation. the amount of uh test proofs that andy had printed the amount of versions that she tried the amount of like angry, frustrated emails that, oh, I'm scrapping the design because it's just not doing anything. Um, and then, I mean, literally our, our, our email boxes have ballooned uh, onto an unrecognizable state just from the back and forth emails to mm-hmm. the printer, to the, the places that are actually printing them, to the shippers, to all these things. And, and Andy did that, and I don't know how she did that. So yeah. there was some sort of <laughs> designer magic at play there. Yeah. That's where the drinking came back in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like a certain amount, like I've done always print design, but I had never done a custom box before, and I just figured it out as I went along, and I asked a lot of questions. I think that that's probably, that's more like life advice, but which is if you don't know how to do something, just ask about how to do it, you know. Call the people, even if you get hung up on a lot of times. Like I talk, called a taxidermist taxidermist one time about <laughs> trying to taxidermy this bird in my backyard and he was like you can't it's illegal and I was like okay <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know like you gotta, yeah you think I called the like Louisiana or something but you know, that's the whole point is like call until you get somebody that'll give you an answer um and and you'll eventually figure it out I think everybody has that capability 100 yeah that's yeah. great advice I love it so you guys, for our final question, we want to know, do you have any new projects or collaborations that you want to tell our audience about? Oh, can I start? Can I start? Yes. Um, yes. yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> the puppy. <laughs> um, well, there's a few ongoing ones. Like one of them that we do seasonally is we uh, collaborate with, uh, most of them have been local artists, but we're starting to spread our are net wider where they take a specific suit uh, from from the fountain and then they sort of create a whole new body of of artwork that's inspired by it and we we have that on our website and it changes every two months because we actually do uh, five of them all four of the suits and then the majors and then we have a few fun uh, you know products for lack of a better word or just sort of offshoots that we're in the works with but we were we were super um, committed to the idea that we were going to figure out how to do this one thing and do this one thing well before we diversified so much that we we lost uh, focus. So we're we're definitely taking our time. We get an email now and then where somebody's like, "You guys have to make an Oracle deck or make another deck," and we we say, "We'll talk to you in like 2020." Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just just enjoy the fountain for a moment while we. Right, because it's only been um, out. It's been out for less than a year. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And and we and you know it's a big job. We're we're we've sold decks in over thirty eight countries now. Wow. We um we don't like to 
we don't want people to think there's a difference between our first run and our print, our first print run and our second print run because they're identical, but we've already had to reorder a whole new batch and we're starting, I mean, things are going, it's just starting to pick up momentum where uh, that'll give us, that'll give us um, the nudges from the universe on what our next, our next things are. But we, we do, yeah. I do want to plug, plug one thing on June 1st, we're announcing something pretty exciting on our website. So you're going to want to check out uh, our website on June 1st because uh, we have something kind of cool popping up then. But, okay, go ahead, Andy. That was my that was my exciting no, <laughs> no, I was actually going to give away a couple of things that we were thinking about, but you're, you're trying to be sly. <laughs> no, no, no. Go get no, go away, for it. Andy. Come on. No. I always get in trouble. If I, if I give away too much, I get in trouble. So go for it, Andy. No, I mean, we don't know when it's going to happen. Like like Jonathan said, it's all, it is about finances. It is about time. But, um, but we have some scarves in the works. Ooh. And we also, um, there's been talk about an expanded book. <gasps> now, come on, no. guys. More than you're talk. getting me really excited over here. Uh-huh. I'm gonna be, I know. I'm going to be calling you, Teresa. I'm calling you. <laughs> oh, my God. I will be having, I want to wear my scarf. I want to read the book. And I want to stamp that box while I'm looking at the deck at the same time. <laughs> We're also coming out with a wine and a surfboard <gasps> and a surfboard. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are giving me the vapors over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, it is it has everything to do with, like, also living our lives as peacefully as possible. And, like, when those things come about in the right way, like, that's when they'll happen. So we're not giving it, getting anybody's hopes up. They will happen eventually. I'm sure of it. But. Not necessarily soon. <laughs> you know, we we have talked we have talked quite a bit too about taking tarot to the next format, which um, as our world digitizes and uh, virtual realities around us, yeah, we've we've played around with the idea of what it'd be like to to digitize um, the deck in sort of an app format. But the thing is, is we don't want to do that just for the sake of doing it, and we don't want to do it poorly and we also don't want to do it in it would, a way where it's it would sort be the of digital version of the of the of the actual deck like of the experience gorgeous, of the right? deck and not yeah we want to make an experience mm-hmm. so we're working on that yeah we'll see. so i guess those are all the things <laughs> well the, yeah. you guys this has been uh, you first of all you have us very excited about what's yet to come and we are just absolutely tickled pink that you guys spent uh, this time talking with us and our audience, and we're just so honored to have you here. We just love the Fountain Tarot so much. Can you tell everybody where they can find you guys? Uh, it w- is w- our w- website w- is go ahead yeah <laughs> com. and they're on Twitter too Fountain Tarot and I believe and they Instagram all- Fountain Tarot and Facebook yep. and yeah. and Facebook so they're all over the web. Find them, they're excellent. Um, and you know, I will say one thing about marketing guys, you've done a great job marketing, but you know, your fans like me, we're also marketing for you. So when we start talking about collaborations and community, you know, I use, excuse me, on Instagram, I always use the fountain tarot as my, my image there. And often people ask, what is this deck? Well, it's the fountain tarot. Yeah, no, that's made a huge difference. It really has. Thank you so much. I mean, yeah, so... And and it's just a a real point that you guys really made here. And I think this has been my big takeaway from the episode is 
uh, you know, really about this whole collaboration and and about all of us really kind of being in together. So, it, you yeah. know, thank you for, for that um, because I can certainly say that my audience loves your deck. We love your deck. We love talking about this deck. Yeah, that involvement does not go unnoticed. We We search for it every day and look at what people are t- saying and the, we watch all the videos on YouTube yeah. and we see all of the hashtags and I mean, it's like, <laughs> it, it is the thing that it warms my heart. Like I, I'm a, I'm just so excited every time I see something that somebody else has produced with our deck. It's so cool. And it's a really great lesson for everybody who's listening on the show tonight. And this is, Bree, this is my big takeaway from the episode. Um, you know, this is, this is really huge. If you are going to, you know, publish your deck or your book or whatever. You really want to get your community, <clears throat> excuse me again, there's that little frog, involved so that they can really help, you know, let people know about your stuff. What about you, Bree? What's been your big, biggest takeaway tonight from everything that we've been talking about with, with the, with this, about this whole, you know, thing? Yes. Creating your yes. deck. And the whole, the whole <clears throat> thing, the whole shebang. I, I really love the way that the three of you communicate and collaborate with one another. And I think that when you're undertaking any kind of massive creative project, you know, knowing that and recognizing that, you know, ego and personality is going to come into it, but also recognizing when that's no longer appropriate when it needs to get bigger than that, I think is really, I think that's so critical, and I think you guys have done a really beautiful job. And, you know, as you were talking about how the deck has taken on a life of its own and lets you know what it wants, but also extends itself, right, and grows as people use it and work with it. I think that 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 view of how we imbue something with life is so right on and so I think that's something that's a huge takeaway personally and also for people who want to do any creative project right mm-hmm. it's, that's a yeah. huge part of it right, right. On. you have yeah. so many tools at your disposal right now it's just to use them it's amazing right so towards the each the end of each episode you know we like to share a few fun tidbits or you know just things we've been really obsessed about lately you know just fun things that we think anybody who's listened to the show our listeners might enjoy discovering you know sometimes it's business stuff sometimes it's not because you know we can't always just talk about business 24/7 <laughs> so i'm going to ask everybody because we are really truly running out of time just real quickly <laughs> what is the one thing you've discovered recently or that you've been loving lately Bree, go Oh, what are I you stuck with? <laughs> I just finished Alan Garner's um, book of essays, The Voice That Thunders, and it is just so good, and he's so awesome, and he writes fiction, and he's like in his 90s, and he's lived in the same place in Cheshire, England, and shamanism, and Plato, and philosophy, and it's just rocking. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Jason, awesome. what about you? Um, what are you obsessed with? I am. I am going to be. I'm so sad. I can't remember the name of this website, but I'm obsessed with wax seals right now. And there is an incredible company <laughs> online. We actually just Fountaintero just got a new wax seal, and every wholesaler <laughs> that starts with us gets a letter from us with a beautiful wax seal with our fountain logo <laughs> on it. <So. laughs> he loves wax. And Andy, <laughs> what are you obsessed with? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm going through like a big life change right now. I'm moving from my one apartment that I've been in for four years into another apartment. And um, I'm really loving my like change in attitude and just in the middle of moving, decided to go on a trip to Santa Fe for like a week. <gasps> I love Santa um, And yeah, just to go and hang out with all of my homies down there and filmed a, a little video that's actually going to be part of the fountain. But it it was like bigger than that, you know, it was just mm. I'm like obsessed with making this video. So, and what, dur during my move, during packing all of my possessions, making this film about, like, living super hard. So, look out for that, and I'm totally obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, Jonathan, what are you obsessed with? I, I think mine's kind of a downer in a way, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the planet is definitely changing. The, yeah. the weather... <clears throat> the seismic activity, volcanoes, and for now, I'm just super, um, well, obsessed is the perfect word, about all of our sort of YouTube profit community that, that deals with Planet X and Nibiru and, and ideas, ideas that maybe there's a bigger, a bigger system out there that we're not necessarily told about or aware of. So I'm kind of, I get kind of in my head, but I'm, uh, I'm always glued to YouTube these days. Looking at that. <laughs> the end. What are you obsessed with? And then Teresa, yeah. What are you obsessed with? Well, you guys, I have a one-track Game of Thrones mind, which is really pathetic. Um, <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. So we have the We're with you. <laughs> we have the Game of Thrones is going strong right now. And so basically it's like my whole life is going to be on hold until the season's over. And I've got friends right. asking me, hey, do you want to go do something? I'm like, oh, no. I, I had a friend ask me if I wanted to go see Renee Fleming sing. And, you know, I, I really oh. dig seeing something like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, this is really sad, but I have to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. sad. That is sad. Wow, I turned down Renee Fleming to go and sit home in front of my TV. So, yep. That's what I'm obsessed with, sad but true. So anyhow. It's too bad Khaleesi wasn't singing. Oh, then I'd go. I'd be right there. <laughs> and she'd be there. <laughs> so before we signed off, a happy reminder, if you do love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows. And there's, again, this four years of this for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. You can just go to thetarotlady.com. Click on the tab called Free Resources, and when you see podcasts, you're going to click on Talking Shop, and you're going to find it all there. Bree, where can they find it on your site? Just go to BrianaSassi.com and click the Work With Me tab, and it will pop up all of our archives, and the next show coming up will all be there. And we're also on iTunes. What you want to look for is Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree. You will find all of our shows on there. All right, everyone, that is a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us and for hanging with us as we went a little bit over. And we hope that you Thank guys you. can join us. Oh, you guys were amazing. So we could talk we all talk. night with you guys. I know. We could talk for another <laughs> yeah, hour. Likewise. But, like, that would be mean. We won't, we won't keep you. Um, so we hope that everyone will join us again next month on June 29th for another round of Talking Shop. Now, Okay, we're going from creative and, like, super inspiring to a really scary topic for a lot of our people. We're going to talk about bookkeeping, 
I know. But we're talking with wah, Jessica wah. Reagan <laughs> Salzman, and she's awesome. And she, I know exactly where it's at, trombone. And she is, she specializes in heart-centered bookkeeping, and she's going to talk to us about how to get our bookkeeping straight and why it is so important. And I work with Jessica. She's my bookkeeper. She, um, she paid for herself, like, uh, the first month I hired her because we had to redo my taxes, and I saved a bunch of money. So this stuff is, like, not super sexy, but it is super sexy, right? Bookkeeping belongs to the sign of Scorpio and the eighth house people. It is intense and awesome, and you should be there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So join I us agree. on June 29th. <laughs> exactly. Same bat time, same bat channel, 8 p.m. Central time. And until then, you guys, remember, you can you can get a copy of the Fountain Tarot by going to fountaintarot.com. And if you are looking to connect with me, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. And Bree? You guys can find me at com. Thank you again for listening so much, everyone. We hope that you keep taking action to build the mystical business of your dreams and make it a great month. Rock on. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So much love. Thank you. Thank you. This was awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, everyone. Good night.